about that expression, but um, this comes under, uh, what would you call this? It's a hammer, but it's part of the family called a tool. It is a tool and it is in my hand. And I hope that right now it makes no sense to you. Because for many years, this made no sense to me either. Preach, Geordie. Amen. But by the end of it, I pray that somehow God will do a miracle and it will make sense. The topic that I'm going to talk on this morning is a topic that I've always struggled. I've kind of avoided, actually, if you two bring that over. I've kind of avoided it because, you know what, it's not the... the um, Preaching that, that comes naturally to me uh, because of the perspective, and, and I will continue to do so. I feel my role is to encourage you in your faith and on your journeys, to encourage you. Uh, you know, I, I stand here on the sidelines of your life cheering and praying that you as our community fulfill and strive for whatever God has for you. You, you need to know that my intent is not Unihill. My intent is that you encounter God. And wherever that ends up and wherever you go for your life, whether it is here, whether it is elsewhere, know that we pray and we believe in you because it is about the kingdom of God. So what I want to speak on this morning in encouraging you, but I also felt the Lord say that, that as the leader of this community, I want to somehow try to also prepare you. I want to talk about hard times this morning. Now, hard times are something that everybody will go through. Now, I want to start off by saying this this morning, that with hard times, there are many, many questions. There are many, many questions that actually go unanswered, reasons why things happen, what caused them to happen, why they unfold the way they do. And I stand here before you this morning saying, I don't know the answer. I don't. But I pray that this morning, that if you listen, what I feel the Lord has shared in my heart is simply ways at which you can begin to get a different perspective when you go through hard times, because you will. We all will. And you don't have to amen that, but I have to tell you that it, I would love to prepare you and, and have a conversation this morning so we can begin to be prepared for when they come. So I want to start, and you all know my flow. I like to start with a story. And the story helps me flow. And, and, and I think about this story that I share this morning sounds so shallow compared to the context of really what we're talking about. But it's all that I could think about. Um, I don't know why I'm threatening you right now. <laughs> So you watch yourself and you pay attention this morning. Man, I don't look like Thor, but I'm going to hold the hammer. There's a tool in my hand. Does it upgrade my toughness? I feel it downgrades it, hey. It's like, yeah, anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. It's like you hold the hammer, but you have a cup of tea. Bink, that's where I'm at at this level. That's where I'm at. Yeah, no photos of that. So recently, April was given a gift. It's a book. It's by Jamie Oliver. It's a five recipes to making meals. You need five ingredients and you can make a meal. So my kids are here. And we have to encourage my wife. We woke up this morning with a baby with a fever. And, you know, the life of my family, my world, is they're up in my office just hanging, doing life so that April can begin to walk in the call of God for her life. So please encourage my wife. She gets so nervous when she's up here um, and she's not in the room so I can say it. So encourage her. 
because, you know, it's funny, as a husband, I say, you should do this. And she goes, okay, someone else says the same thing. And they go, that's a fantastic idea. You know, preach, it happens. Husbands, just get used to it. It's all good. So encourage my wife. Anyway, she's been making meals. My kids are in the flow of saying to her, oh, mum, this is so good. You should go and master chef. And it's so cute. And I say to him, oh, April, we just appreciate your effort. And we really try and honour April at the dinner table. Except on Tuesday last week, that didn't happen. It was a deafening silence. <laughs> just this deafening silence. Now, April made a beautiful, and Greg had some. It was good. It was a beautiful chicken and pumpkin laksa. And it was good. And as I was eating it, I was enjoying it. But I look across the table and I realise that Kiara was struggling with the spice. So every mouthful was like... And do you know how, you know, you just like, you just be quiet. I didn't have a hammer at the table, it was more of a spoon. <laughs> now I realised and remembered, Lila doesn't like pumpkin. Well, she really doesn't like anything, but she really doesn't like pumpkin. So Lila, Kiara's like, <sighs> Lila's like, eh. Jai didn't like the texture. So he was gagging. So literally, I would take a mouthful, I'd look up and I'd hear, ah, <sighs> <sighs> Now, the context of which I grew up in. Both my parents immigrated to Australia. They both hopped off boats. They both didn't have a lot of money. So in the culture that I grew up in, it is incredibly insulting if you do not eat the food that is put in front of you. So I am getting agitated. And I thought, you know what? Instead of being agitated, mature up and educate. So I said, Jai, do you know that in some countries... The, uh, there are children. And April's like, hey. They don't even get a bowl of food. April's like, mmm, to eat, a bowl of food to eat. And you know what his reply was? It was, in, it was brilliant. It pulled me right out of agitation. He goes, yeah, I know. They probably get a plate of normal food. And the spoon went down and the pound went, I'm like, my guy. Now, here's the thing. All April had tried to do was serve her family. What April's trying to do is she's like, well, if God has called me to be a parent, I'm going to love my family. I'm going to serve my family. And in an effort to try and serve our family, she was met with heartache, with frustration, with pain. You know, think about that and we can look at Paul in the Bible. I want you guys to turn to Philippians chapter 1. Let's look at Paul's life. He's a character that I'm very interested in. This guy couldn't win no matter where he turned. We know that he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. We know that wherever he went, there was opposition. He lived in a world where he challenged everything the Jewish people believed in. He challenged their customs. He challenged their holidays. He challenged circumcision. He challenged everything about who they were. So whenever he went and all he was trying to do was spread the love of Jesus and the revelation that you were made righteous through faith in him. All he's trying to do is love people and serve his God. But yet he's always met with opposition and hardship. And we know that he's boat wrecked. We know that he was stoned. We know that he's put in jail many, many times. But yet on the other hand, you know, called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He's living in a Roman society where in Roman society, Caesar is Lord. 
And if you don't believe that Caesar is Lord, it is actually treason, which is punishable by death. So we're looking, well, no matter where he turned, wherever Jesus was pronounced Lord was met with hardship, pain, turmoil, and, and this is his life. Now we begin to look at Acts. Now we're going to be in Philippians, but this is the build-up of the narrative so that you know where we land in when we land in Philippians 1. See, what happens is we read through Acts that he's gathered an offering and he's collecting it for a struggling Christian community in Jerusalem. He's wanting to support them. And on his way, he lands and he ends up causing a big a big. Thing going on in a temple where they're like you're, you're causing all issues and breaking temple rules and a bit of a riot breaks out. So you've got Jewish people getting upset and angry and the Roman uh, government that's above them. So the Roman government go, well, we better act. We need to do something. They put Paul in jail. So he's in jail. Now what happens is he eventually, after a period of time, he, he uh, applies to Caesar to be tried in Rome. Um, so then that's sort of where the narrative sort of ends in Acts. And we pick up um, with David in Philippians under house arrest uh, for two years. And he's writing all of these, what they call, he's in chains, he's in jail. It's like we're writing, they call them all these prison letters. Now we, we know there's heaps of them, Second Timothy, um, Colossians. There's a whole bunch of letters that he is writing from jail. I want to talk about hard times today. Paul is writing from jail, doing nothing wrong, in pain. I think about it, I'm thinking how limited would his expression be and how judgy would I be that he was in jail? What have you done wrong in your life that landed you there? So here's the thing. I'm going to talk about this this morning. And I pray that this is my encouragement, that sometimes hard stuff happens and it ain't even your fault. It just happens. We live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world and things are going to go wrong and you are going to face hardship and you're going to have to walk through trials and it's not your fault. Life happens. Now, my disclaimer to the flip side of that is sometimes we end up in hard situations because you made silly decisions. I live in that club on a regular basis. <laughs> but the reality is this. God is faithful. Do you know, in his word, it says in Romans chapter 8, 28, that my God, he's going to work all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So no hard times will come. But they're not necessarily meaning that they're your fault. But they will happen. But know this, that God doesn't bring them uh, because you're doing bad things. He's bringing them because he's going to use them as a tool in your hand. So if we go to the next slide this morning. Your faith inspires. I made the writing on that slide at the back way too small, so I'm just going to naturally turn around as I read. In Philippians chapter 1, and why don't we read it together for a minute. Now, holding this in my hand is going to be annoying, but I'm not going to let go of it because I need to carry this. So in Philippians chapter 1, let's read from verse 12, and I will stop when I've had enough. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach 
Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motive or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I, am eagerly, expect, I eagerly expect and hope that I will be in no way ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Lord, use your words this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Your faith can inspire. If we look at the context of what's going on, Paul is writing a letter to a community from jail. From a place where he could have been writing in his letter the pain that he has to endure. The unfairness and the injustice of the situation. The trauma that it's caused his life. The pain for those close to him but yet You see, threaded through the entire book of Philippians, the fact people call it the joyful letter. He's in joy. He's excited. He he is in peace in the midst of being in chains. In the context of I looking at this, he's been put there really by no fault of his own. He hasn't made bad decisions. It hasn't been other than trying to be faithful to God, but yet he's put in chains. But when we look at this scripture, it begins to say that most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear because of the fact he's holding this attitude while he's in chains. Because of the pain that he has had to go through, others were being inspired. You know, I look at many people in our community And I share this sensitively this morning, but it impacted and changed my life. Do you know about a year ago to today, around about a year, there were people in our community that were preparing to bury their daughter that had died only a few hours after they had met her and she was born. Now, the pain of that I don't understand. The reasons for that I don't understand. But what changed my life was their faith in that circumstance. You see, these people, as we gathered in their home, they didn't talk about the pain. They celebrated what God had given them. And as an outsider looking in, their faith and their hard time changed my life. I want to say this to our community. You'll face hard times, but I want to let you know that survival is inspiring. You know, here's the thing. There are going to be things that you're going to face in your life that you think are going to break you, 
and you just hang in there. You just survive. But let me tell you that just by surviving, you'll inspire others because there is a grace of God that will come on you. I don't know the answer why. I don't know why it happens, but I know that the promise is that God is with you when you are in your hard time. Know that how drastic and how hard it may be or how painful it is to you, survival is inspiring. It's an opportunity. God is putting a tool in your hand to inspire and encourage others. I think of a young man in our church, Ty. He's an incredible encouragement to me. When we went to Vanuatu earlier this year, he was so excited about coming. And the week before we left, he tears his Achilles tendon. We're going to a third world country. This young man going through sand on crutches, getting on and off boats, walking through town. Never once did I hear him complain because his focus and his faith was that he was there for young people. And as I looked at him as a 15-year-old and saw the maturity in him, I said, what is it that you do and that you've learnt that you can teach me about the spirit that you carry and the struggle that you carry at the same time? He said, it's for God and he's with me. Survival is powerful. When you think you're at your weakest, we know in the Word it it can become your strongest when God uses it. You might not understand why, but just survive, community. The advice I want to encourage you with is just keep breathing, just keep going, just keep believing. We're praying for you. We're with you. And one day God is going to use it in your life as a tool in your hand to help others. I don't devalue the pain. I don't attempt to answer the reasons why, but what I can tell you is God is with you. And Romans 8, 28, even though we don't know why, says that God will work all things for good. He will move it forward. He will restore your world. He will never forget the past, but God will use it. Whatever you're going through, know that your faith inspires others. Paul is saying that there are people that are beginning to stick their chest out because they're like, if Paul can make it through, I can keep believing. If Paul has made it through, I can keep striving. I can move with more confidence. Community, I know that this is is a heavy thought, but I want to encourage you one day when the hard times come, just keep going because God will use you to inspire this community to continue to believe for more. My second thought, as we look at this, if you go to the next slide, sometimes when we look at trials, we, we look at hard times, God helps you to evaluate what's really important. You see, what's happening in Paul's circumstance is two things are happening. There are two types of people preaching. There is a first group of people that are like, Paul's been put in chains for Jesus, but that love of Jesus still needs to get out to the world. So we're going to preach Jesus even more and we're going to go after it and we're going to believe that people are going to be restored to God through faith and they're going for it. But then there's another group of people still preaching the love of Jesus Christ, but they're preaching because they want Paul's influence. They want Paul's status. They're coming in with motives that aren't right. But yet Paul evaluates in it. He says in the scripture, what does it matter? As long as Jesus continues to be preached. It's an evaluation of priority. See, here's the thing is that once again, God doesn't necessarily always cause the hard times, but hey, he can help you to reset your priorities in it. You know, and you begin to think about there are people that may be in our community today and are you worrying about being right and correcting injustice or are you worried about the relationship that you could lose? 
Are you worried? You know, and I, and I think and I look at the, the generation that is coming up, the, the millennial generation, that are they thinking about the amount of debt they are putting themselves in, which will affect their future? I've got to have it now. See, what happens is maybe those financial crises that happen earlier is so that God can teach you now to prioritise your income and your life in order to set up your future. It's almost like the hard times become a tool in your hand to see you move into what God has for your future. See, Paul is writing in this letter saying, what does it matter? He is reevaluating his priorities. I asked this morning that as you reflect on your own world, where are your priorities? God has a funny way of getting our attention through hard times. But he has a funny way of moving us forward. He has a funny way of creating new depths of reliance on him and faith and trust. I'm not saying that because of hard times, your priorities were wrong. What I'm saying is God can use those moments where you ask the question, what really matters? What really matters? Let's move on to the third thought. Hard times aren't a punishment, but they're a tool in your hand. Dan, I might get you to come up. Now, I need a volunteer this morning because I want to try something. Can I have anybody that knows how to use um, their brain? Uh, Andy, you're being pointed at. I'll get Andy, you come down. Give it up for Andy as he comes. I don't want you to give me the answer yet, okay? So you can just stand there and ponder. But I have two pieces of wood that I... um, I cut up this morning. They were once one piece of wood. They're now two. I used a saw. (laughs) And I have some nails. Do you mind figuring out how how you're going to... I need you to put that... I want you to put that back together in any way, shape or form. Put that back together. I need you to use the nails. Okay? But you can do whatever you want. But you've got to use those nails through that wood to join the wood together. Okay? But don't do it yet. Just wait for me. We'll have a conversation. Hard times aren't a punishment. But how often, when we go through hard times, the question we ask is, what have I done wrong? Why am I going through this? God, what what have I done? Sometimes hard times, they're not a punishment, but God is using it to polish you. He's using it to build you. I still remember the first ever night of Hope Tour. Five years ago, it feels like a lifetime, but I sat in the back room, you've heard this story, no kids came. We set off the fire alarm and $5,000 worth of fire trucks came. And I felt like a failure. I'm like, God, was I too ambitious? Was it my pride? Why are you doing this to me? I felt the Lord say, He's, I'm not doing anything to you. This has just happened, but I'm going to use it to grow you. 
See, it says this in Psalms. Let me find it. Psalm 34, 17. It says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. It says, The righteous, Christians, those that have been made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteous can be denoting those that are living well. It says they have to call out to God and He delivers them from their troubles. It means the righteous still have to face trouble. They're not doing anything wrong, but they still face trouble and God is still faithful to be with them and deliver them. He promised He'll be with you and He'd never forsake you. You see, sometimes hard times aren't a punishment, but they're a tool in your hand. Hey, Andy, you got any idea how you could put those two together? Yep. I like it. Now, hey, would you like to use my hammer? So this, this hammer's been annoying and I've had to carry it. But now all of a sudden what I've had to carry, I can help you do something that was once one is now broken and God is putting back together. It won't be the same as the way it was originally. There were four bits of wood, there's another campus. Yeah. Um, and I don't cut straight. But here, I want you to begin to hammer that. You might need to put it on the, the floor and I need you to kind of bang quietly so you don't distract anyone. See, this is, this is why I carried the hammer. Just as you are, just as you, like a Band-Aid. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. Oh, gee, I thought the nails were too short then. That would have been horrible. <laughs> Keep doing it, bro. Keep doing it. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Thank you. Drummed like the rhythm of a drummer. Thank you, Andy. Give Andy a hand. Now, now let me try and explain the purpose of this. You know what was funny? Is that, did I ask you to do that? Justin, you were with me. What happened at the other campus? Same thing. Did you know why? I believe for a Christian that when things are broken, we know that our hope is in Christ. Do you know, if you look at this scripture, it says, for I know that through your prayers, the prayers of community, the prayers of the believers that are with it, when people go on through hard time, when they're in trial, when they're in chains, it's good for the community to be praying for them. It's good for the community to be around them. But then it says this, and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What he's saying there is I know that God is in control. Now, what do these two things mean? See, see what happens is when you go through hard times, you can inspire others. It's like God is putting a tool in your hand. What happens is when you begin to evaluate priorities and learn things, do you know, a person that might be going through financial drama, a person that was once there, that has now been restored by God and has fruit in their lives, like a tool in their hand, they're going to listen to that person because they've been there. You see, it's not a punishment, but a tool. You see, this was once one piece of wood. 
And then by something happening, it had been broken. But now it's been restored together again. Now it may never be the same as what it once was, but here's the thing. Andy never would have been able to get that done without the tool that God had put in my hand. You see, the hard times that we go through, there'll eventually be someone that's in brokenness, in pain, in turmoil, that maybe the pain you went through, the journey you went through, God is now using it as a tool in His hand that you can come along and go, hey, I've been there. I've experienced the love of Jesus. Oops. It was better at the other one. And God has used it as a tool in my hand to bring things back together. Hard times aren't easy. That's what makes them hard. But hard times don't necessarily have to mean bad times. There is pain. But I know this, the greater the pain, I believe one day the greater the victory, the more people you'll influence, the more grace that God will pour out on you. Because the perspective of Paul is that though I'm in chains, I rejoice because God is still doing things in my life. It's the power of survival. It'll inspire others. So know this community, one day hard times will come and pain will come. But keep your faith and trust in Him because He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Your faith will inspire this community. Your trial God will use as a testimony and as a tool in your hand. And know that nothing is lost with God. He will make up time lost. He'll is holding those loved ones. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Could we stand this morning? I invite the whole band to come. So this morning, I feel to pray in, in, in three areas. You know, my heart is this, is that you're going to make it. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? If God is with me, the rest will take care. Hard times will come. But no God is with you. You know, I think it always helps that when you prepare before you're in the situation, it helps you to endure it. You know, with my kids, eating has been a challenge, not with the first two, but with the third. It's typical, you reap what you sow. I was a third and I was that kid. But I determined I will not react in a manner that isn't godly, even though everything within my inner priority is that they should eat and they should be grateful because God has provided it for us. But I determined pre the circumstance how I will react and how I will function. Now there are pre and post situations going on here. Maybe you've been through the hard time and it went wrong, but God is still with you and still able to use you. 
Maybe the hard times haven't come yet. They will, but you can prepare now to go, Lord, just keep me in hope and survival. Paul is saying, you know, I hope and I have the faith that God's going to deliver me. He's on trial. He could lose his life. But yet while he's in chains and in this situation, he goes, I'm going to hold on to faith. I'm going to hold on to hope. I'm going to hold on to love because God is with me. The power of survival. Just go, no matter how hard it is, Lord, I know that you're with me. Just help me to survive. Because as you survive, you'll inspire the world around you. There, there are people that I have seen that, that I look at and I go, Father, how have they gone through it? The depth of the pain, the depth of the trial, the depth of it. But Father, their spirit is so sweet. How, Father? It's His grace upon them. I see God in them. They might not feel like it at the time, but God is using them mightily. The pain is never taken for granted. The pain is never something you need to give away for free. God will use it for His glory and His honour because He loves you and He's with you. So there are people in this room today that you think just surviving through your hard times was a negative. I'm here to tell you it inspired others. And there are people today that need to give that back to God. The second thing, there are people in this room that maybe are currently in a journey where they're struggling. And I feel the Lord is saying, and you need to raise your hands after this moment and say, Father, I will promise to look at my priorities. Am I arguing wrong? Is it causing me so much pain because I'm holding on to something that you actually require me to let go and then it wouldn't cause me pain? You need to evaluate your priority. And the third one is that there are people in this room that I want to pray with you that God would encourage you today that though you've gone through hard times God is going to use it as a powerful testimony doesn't take away from the pain doesn't take away from what you're enduring right now but know that with God all things will work for good